to the Crosstown Baseball Show. It's May 22nd, 2023. If you could believe it, we are almost two months through the baseball season. I'm your host, Anthony Shulo, and joining me as always is my co-host, Anthony Romanelli. And here at the Crosstown Baseball Show, we talk all things Cubs and White Sox baseball. Romanelli, almost two months down in the 2023 season. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I would like to highlight that we have 114 games left, if you can even believe that. Yeah, um, it's interesting. The Cubs are under 500, which, uh, yeah. So um, I'm not surprised. I told you. Um, I want them to be at 500 by year's end. Uh, They've hit a skid. I think they're two and nine or something in their last 11 games or two and eight in their last 10. Um, This was not what I was hoping for, but not wholly surprised. Uh, We can talk specifics and individual uh, performances later, but they're currently six games under 500, even though they have the largest differential and the largest positive run differential in the NL Central. Yeah, uh, well, we'll get into it because NL Central is looking quite interesting and the Cubs of late have not been performing well. That's different on the south side. We'll get into kind of how the teams are faring now that we are almost two months through the MLB season. Uh, But I do want to start talking about hot seats. We're talking about hot streaks and hot seats uh, today. Particularly, we're talking about seats in two different respects. We're going to be talking uh, the Wintrust scout seats at guaranteed rate field, which I had a chance to sit in for the very first time um, a couple days ago. And let me tell you, I'm going to break down the whole experience for you. And I'm not sure I can ever experience a game any other way again, but we'll get into it. And then Ooh. secondly today, well, then I know. It, so that, so the oh, game oh, was that's where we're Oh, you think at. so? You think so? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll break. Let me get out the calculator and, you know, talk about the financial part of that. So, um, We'll talk about scout seats. We'll talk about David Ross. Is he or is he not on the hot seat sooner than expected? And then we'll wrap up talking about the White Sox and really what is it going to take for them to have a rebound off of their super poor start uh, this season. Um, but I do want to start with the Wintrust scout st- seats. So to kind of set you up, um, I was gifted these seats. I did not pay for them myself. Um, so my financial investment was probably $40 in gratuities. And that was it. So <laughs> let me just, I know, I know. So let me give people a rundown of what the Wintrust scout seats are for those who don't know. So when you go to guaranteed rate field, there are the first 11 rows behind home plate where there are wider chairs, there are cushier chairs, and there's in-seat service. And those are the Wintrust scout seats. Now, for those of you who are interested in these sort of seats and the experience, um, it's a couple, one, two, three hundred dollars. I mean, they can range anywhere between two fifty to about three fifty for a seat. Um, and you're probably wondering, okay, what do I get for that? Because that's a huge ticket price. Well, it is the most premier seat to the ballpark. Of course, all these ballparks now, as you know, have these specialty, you know, seats and sections. Some of them have huge sports books that people love to go to. <laughs> Romanelli. Uh, but um, what I will say about these seats is. When I got to the park, number one, the seats come with actually a a parking pass. So the parking lot that you that you yeah, that you park in is actually 
right next to the gate. So it's I walked the shortest distance I've ever walked from a parking spot to the entrance of the of the ballpark, which is great. Um, you go in. Did they put you on a golf the, cart? They, I mean, if they did, I, it would have been literally a thirty second golf cart ride. Um, awesome. So, so quite economical, I suppose, but they chose not to. Um, but when you park in your in lot D one there, guarantee rate field, you then walk over to gate three and a half, which was like Harry Potter, you know, platform nine and three quarters. You go to <laughs> gate three and a half um, to enter the Wintrust Scout Wintrust Scout seats. Now, there's two parts of this experience, and let me just get out. Let me just get it out there and say that. Like, I've never sat in these seats before, and I'm the type of person historically, and again, this is with never experiencing it, going, that's a lot of money. Why do I need to do that? How great could it be? I'm here to tell you, don't listen to past me. Past me was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Yes, don't listen to to one week ago, Anthony Shulo. Listen to the Anthony Shulo here talking to you now, because... I walked in, open glass doors, walk into this, uh, the Wintrust Scout seats. And there's one, the first part of this is the spread and the atmosphere when you actually get to the park before the game. And they have a very, very nice lounge. I'm, I'm talking like full bar, buffet, large buffet, large sweets buffet in the corner. And then they have basically a whole wall of White Sox memorabilia that was just really cool really old historical stuff really neat um so i walked in there when you walk in there's this uh really nice gentleman the other day who took my party and i said you know i have four people they walk you to a seat like you're at a restaurant you sit down they explain to you how the the whole thing works you get up eat as much as you want drink as much as you want all of that is zero dollars of course when you pay for the ticket price you're paying for all of this so the only thing that really comes out of your pocket is the gratuity um, like you would tip anyone else at a restaurant. Um, so I know you're wondering, Romanelli, what the hell do they have to eat? Cause that's the natural question. Of course. I mean that obviously, I mean, stop talking. Just tell me what you had to eat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I ended up having was I would, ex- I would describe the fare there as definitely some higher, kind of higher caliber options, but some of the work a day normal stuff. So they had a hot dog bar. They had a Mac and cheese bar. They had things like rib tips, rice and couscous, garlic chicken. Like they had a lot of different stuff. Um, nothing nothing so says white, so- nothing says South side white Sox fan, like rice and couscous. Hey, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's like one of those, like, like, it, there was some food that was definitely not ballpark food, but damn, was yeah, it no. good. Like, I'm never going to go and get, like, rice and couscous at, at the ballpark. But um, there was quite a variety of, of food. Um, went ahead and got a plate full of that. Um, again, drinks, anything else was, was was free and included in the ticket. So we sat down in the booth, enjoyed our, 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 our lunch. Um, and then we took the hallway from the um, lounge to – our seats. Now, it, I'm not sure anyone here would have knows how guaranteed rate is structured under the ballpark, but essentially there is one tunnel that wraps all around like the concourse, as you can imagine, going in like a semicircle to follow the mm-hmm. ballpark. And so what you do is you walk from the lounge through a couple sets of doors and fancy hallways to get to 
right under the seats behind home plate where there's that kind of that uh that that tunnel and you walk right past the visitors dugout that the the visitors clubhouse door and you walk right past the umpire kind of clubhouse doors for the umpire crew and you walk through the tunnel up a side flight of stairs and you're right there at the seats and i'm telling you it it's the seats are fantastic i mean very comfortable very wide the, this fantastic lady who was serving us like super sweet great staff they get it get you anything that you want there at the seat you can go back in the lounge and get food and bring it back um they'll even come out with trays and like have trays of beers and sodas and trays of like ice cream and snacks and they just bring it out at all and you just grab it and go to town um and of course you tip them at the end of the night too like i said ended up spending like 40 bucks total but it was such a cool experience. And I'll sum it up by saying, how the hell am I going to go and experience that park any other way? And I, sh this was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it because now I've ruined every other baseball experience. That's how good it was. That's, that's fantastic. That's when you take your kids to their first game. So they get to see not so much the experience, but the field up close. That's what did it for me when I was. Yeah six seven or eight or whatever my my grandfather had gotten us tickets he worked for the tribune at the time he was a uh newspaper delivery driver gotten us tickets and they were right behind home plate and you went up behind home plate and walked right to i don't know we were within the first 10 rows and that was it and that's when i fell in love with the game so all the, the accoutrements aside it's that it's the view of everything. And that's, that's how I think people fall in love with that game in particular. It's that whole, it's just, there, there's something about a base to me, there's something about a baseball field. I told you I went to a game this weekend at a minor league game and you still, mm -hmm. you walk up and you're just like, ah. yeah. And it's so cool that you got to see and experience not only a game that close, but, everything else that the park had to offer and, and hats off to the White Sox for um, offering that kind of stuff to its fans. I mean, that's yeah, cool it was, it, it, it was a cool, it was a cool experience. I would definitely do it again. Um, you know, I even, you know, I got home and of course told my wife about it. Like I was a kid in a freaking candy store and going crazy. Yeah. Um, and um, her and I were even like, Oh geez. I mean, that's really cool. Do we go to season ticket route next year? Or do we use all that money we spend on season tickets, spend less money and do three of those games a year at really good seats like that. We're starting to have legitimate conversations about this because it's such a cool experience. So um, it, it, I don't know. We're kind of weighing that right now, but, uh, but that was the way I spent my Thursday afternoon. And then, it, and then it was just a good couple days of baseball because then Friday night, buddy and my buddy a buddy of mine and i went back to the ballpark the next day um and they did like a season ticket holder parade situation on the field so we got to walk around that. the whole concourse yeah. and man you want to talk about being right there sights and sounds like when you're standing on that field and you actually get to walk around it and like capture the size and the environment it i've never done that at baseball field other than like touring Wrigley field and like walking right there by an own plate for like a couple seconds, but to walk around the whole park and park and get to like the size and the magnitude and looking up at like the upper deck from the, from the park for or from the grass. It's, it's one of the most coolest, most just 
captured every bit of my attention experience I've ever had. It was really cool. That's fantastic. And it, then it did its, it did its job. I, I think any baseball lover should experience that once in his or her life without question. Just if you get it, if, if you get it and have that passion, you, you'd be foolish not to take some form of a tour of mm. a team, your favorite team, any ballpark yeah. at any given time, just to, just to understand and, and take it all in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you have a good, you have a, you know, you have a, we had a good weekend of baseball, really good experiences. Cubs end up sweeping um, the Kansas city Royals, which is the first sweep all season. You and they the just lost to the guardian. Or, uh, yeah, sorry. Why did I say yes! Cardinals? That was weird. Wow. I, I was, that was a total slip. Cardinals. I mean, I mean, my heart's you in Missouri. Said, you, um, you, said, you said Cubs, but that's okay. I, yeah, I don't know what's happening. My mind's still, you know, stuck in the Scott Steeds apparently. Um, but I <laughs> uh, had a great weekend and then we just got the notification that, um, the White Sox lost to the Guardians three to zero just a moment ago. So we'll talk about wow. that in a moment. Um, yeah, but those were my hot seats, but I want to talk about another hot seat. I know Romanelli, um, you kind of texted me today and we're all, um, you know, certainly getting hot about this particular subject of, with the Cubs performing how they are and some of the in-game performances over the last week or two, certainly throughout the month of May, one could argue, um, what does that mean for David Ross? And before, you know, I even kind of let you take the baton here, I want to preface, you know, folks go back and listen to our previous episodes because this has come up multiple times where Romanelli, you've said, Hey, this is the year of we need to figure out what Ross is. Is this guy going to be around? This is, you know, the year where they're going to decide is Ross the guy long term. And um, it seems to me that you're a little concerned about it, Romanelli, about if he really is the guy. And we're starting to see it right now. Yeah, we, we are. Now, there's there's two sides to this. Uh, one, is it Ross? Possibly. Um, is it Jed? Definitely. Um Jed hasn't been able to produce consistency. He hasn't won more than he and company haven't won more than 75 games in his tenure. Uh, David Ross, I think was a natural fit at the time. Uh, I still believe in him though. Some of his in-game moves, I question. However, if you want to go back, the signings that the Cubs have um, that, that the Cubs have made are on Jed so Ross can only work with what he has. He doesn't have the bullpen. Uh, you did the right thing in bringing in, in sending morale down to bring him back up. Um, now, again, if you've listened to us, I was like, he's only 140 on his baseball card weight wise. Well, clearly he's more than 140 pounds because what seven home runs in 10 games and they haven't done no one's done that since 1901 for the Cubs. So clearly they, they've played the morale card well. Now they have to, and I've also said this, if you recall, the Cubs will go as Nico goes. If Nico stays healthy, they will win. Okay. Nico was out and they went two and eight. So <clears throat> knowing, you know, as, as an armchair GM, you and I as armchair GMs, I think I know. I think I know my team from my armchair pretty well. Uh, yeah. James, James talent to this point has been a f huge bust. Um, and 
and they owe him 60 something million over the next what four years or whatever mm. At right now i don't know if he needs to go down and fix his mechanics uh but but there is no faith in him from the team uh he, his era is is well over six six i think it's six and a half um well well hold, hold on you're being nice it's eight ten Okay, so la- so prior to last game, it was Ooh. six and a half. So how do you keep him up? Now you have you have Hendricks, who is on his way back. You know that he he pitched in Iowa earlier this week. So he comes up, talent goes down. You're not going to DFA him. You signed him for sixty million dollars for four years or whatever. But he's got to get his act together. Um, well. Well, the reality of that, too, is you got to remember a lot of these contracts when you're veterans, sometimes they have clauses in their contract that they can't be set de- sent down. And that could be the case with Tyone. And he may not be able to be sent down, in which case you got to figure it out now. Yep. And if you're figuring it out, you do something to where you bring up a guy maybe from the minors who can give you five or six innings or three or four. But at this point, maybe you make Tyon, Tyon, sorry, Tyon, middle relief. He can't, he cannot, he's got two pitches and they've become batting practice. He's become batting practice. When, when you look at an eight and a half ERA and you're, and you've only started so many games, that's, that is not a recipe for success. They're, they're three and seven in their last 10. They've lost two in a row. Um, He just. He's just awful. Um, now, do you blame David Ross for starting a starter? No. Um, do you blame Ross for having the, the highest differential in the actually the second highest positive run differential in all of national in the entire National League? You can't blame Ross for that. So it's on the plate. Now, the Cubs have the first or second most men left on base in all of baseball i want to say first they were over 270 runs the last time i checked 270 runs left on, or 270 men left on base you can't blame ross for that either so it's now there's two things one that's not on ross two even at 20 and 26 they're only four games out of first right so so there's there's no reason to panic but at this point i believe a couple things. Ross, I, I've lost faith in Patrick Wisdom. And I remember saying last year uh, before we started this, or maybe even the year prior, get rid of Chris Bryant, give Patrick Wisdom three years, and then you go find um, a, a long-term third baseman. You may very well have that long-term third baseman in Christopher Morrell already. I said mm-hmm. something online. I said something online. Um, about Christopher Morrell reminds me of Aramis Ramirez with his bat speed and with his his positive energy. Uh, and he has absolutely some of old school Wilson Contreras in him in that, again, that positive energy uh, and the ability to just hit. Um, again, he is also, I don't want to say new again, but basically he's new again to all these pitchers. Once they figure out how to pitch him, you know, let's give him six weeks. Right now he's brand new. They're throwing him fastballs and he's crushing them. The same with every new kid that comes up. When they find themselves early, um, 
they're in trouble. Now, to that to that degree, uh, Matt Mervis is completely lost at the plate. And everybody, myself included, bring him up, bring him up, bring him up. And he can't do anything. So do you let him ride it out when you're four games under 500 or six games under 500? Sorry. Or do you send him back down again? I think that's a huge. I think that's a huge concern about mentally about what you do with him, because I yeah. think there was I think there was pressure to bring him up. He's not performing. He's he's over. He's over swinging. He's impatient. Um, and I believe that as a manager, I think that's one of his toughest decisions right now. I think from a managerial perspective. He can only do so much with the bullpen. That's all he's got. Until mm-hmm. they start uh, moving guys around or bringing guys up and seeing what they can do, uh, I don't know. I th- again, please be 500 at, at season's end. Or I do believe, and I said this, two years and Ross is gone. And right now, right now, at on May 22nd, and how many games have we played? 40, what would you say? Uh, well, let's see. We have 114 games left. 114 games left. Let's see where we are at the All-Star break. It's only May, but you've got June and July. Let's see where we are at the All-Star break. If he's more than five games away from 500 and and you've got Kyle Hendricks back and you've got uh, Justin Steele going and you've got uh, Marcus Stroman going, you've got three top-tier pitchers right there. The fact that – and I've, I've mentioned this online – the fact that uh, I had a, I took a picture of it and I can't find it on my phone. The fact that Justin Steele is still not in the top 10 MLB rankings for one of the top 10 best pitchers in baseball is insulting, actually. And I have even said it just because the Cubs are not doing well. The fact that he's not in the top 10 is ridiculous. Um, he deserves to be there. Uh, I still think I still believe he's going to be in the running for uh, Cy Young by the end of the year. He's had one bad outing. He's had one bad outing in Houston. Everything else has been golden. Golden. And we'll see. So is Ross in the hot seat? Not yet. I would say, though, I would say maybe the the match is lit. Maybe it's not hot yet, but they've lit the match. It's interesting. I kind of I want to play devil devil's advocate here. And and well, maybe devil's advocate isn't really the right thing to say because i do generally believe this and i think part of you does as well um i don't know that it's fair for david ross to be in a hot seat even after the entirety of this season because you you've kind of spelled it out for us is when you have questions about wisdom and mervis and tyon and all of these pieces in the bullpen like how can you really assess david ross's performance when this team is not meant to win today, this is a developmental team, a team where we're still trying to figure out what these guys are going to contribute and if they're going to be the long-term solution for this team. And I suppose the only thing you can really credit Ross with, if anything, and this is a shared responsibility between him and the rest of the baseball staff is developing these guys at the major league level. That is the sole thing that you would judge Ross and his staff on. So I don't know that it's fair to even after this season, really put the guy on the hot seat. I I don't necessarily disagree with you while you talk developmental. um, One of the people that 
pops into my head um, because I didn't know when he first came up if he was going to be as good as he is. And it's taken him a while, but he's now an all-star and a gold glover, and that's Ian Happ. And Ian Happ has developed at the major league level year after year Mm -hmm. after year. So wisdom is at the point. And now if you recall, wisdom is an older, he was an older rookie. He was 28, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so. so, So he should already at this point be developed. He should be solid. He's a decent third baseman. Uh, He's, yes, he strikes out enough, but he's close to leading the league in, I'm sorry, leading the team in home runs if he's not already. Um, again, Morrell's on this ridiculous tear, so you can't, you can't compare the two. Um, but developmentally, wisdom should be solid. Developmentally, Suzuki should be solid. Uh, now, developmentally, Horner is solid. You know that. Uh, he needs to stay healthy. Jesus, you've got an all-star in Swanton. First base is a hot mess. The Hosmer thing is the Hosmer experiment or whatever the hell it was. They were waiting for Mervis. Did they did they bring up Mervis too song too soon because uh, Hosmer was a hot mess? You you God. So that's no off- where no offense, no offense, but you have no place to be crying about people being unhealthy. You want to talk about people being unhealthy? <laughs> You you really want to have the conversation about people being unhealthy. I'll take Horner being gone rather than half of my team right now having some sort of stupid ail- ailments and not playing 100%. But I digress. I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, that that I'll give you. But but you, ha- you have to understand. You have to understand the difference. The White Sox are picked to, to win the Nash- – I'm sorry, the American League Central. I'm picking the Cubs to be at 500 with – with Horner at top level, with Hap at top level, with with True. Uh, Suzuki and and Wisdom being at top level, um, Jan Gomes has been a nice surprise. He has he has sure been. has. And and if you noticed, he was out. They lost. I didn't expect what they got out of him to be as good as he was. So the Cubs read him or knew their stuff. When it came to picking Jan Gomes, I did not. Again, the armchair uh, GM um, that I am. Um, <laughs> so wait, hold on. Where is it? I kept one of my notes. Oh yeah, we're so, so self-proclaimed experts. I kept one of our notes. I have one of self-proclaimed. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, I kept that one. So I had my subscribe on YouTube, which is now in my kitchen table. Uh, I got online or whatever and it i bought it from this old couple that covered the, the table in glass um so yeah. I, have, I have pictures of my daughters all around the glass and stuff and i've shoved the subscribe and youtube uh, under the glass and the other thing that I, that at some point you and i had a conversation about was self self-proclaimed experts and so <laughs> and i shoved that under the glass and if i were to take the camera and show i'll pull it out later um but yeah, as self-proclaimed experts, I believed that, or still believe, that the Cubs need to be at 100% health-wise to be at 500 as a team. And with Nico not, per, with Nico not there, and Gomes out because of the concussion, and that wasn't his fault. Nico, I think, has uh, 
he's got a little, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't want to call it the, the, the mini Chris Bryant syndrome because Chris Bryant, when he, once he became injured, he was then off injured. Um, and now sitting on a last place Colorado team, um, but making $185 million. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, I, I want to ask you about this because I, are this na- this conversation is naturally um, evolving <clears throat> into a, a uh, David Ross may be on the hot seat. Maybe it's not entirely fair to him, for him to be on the hot seat, but he should, he may regardless. And, and two, um, I want to talk about Marcus Stroman because we're talking about players who are going to be here for the long haul. And he yeah. was reported by Maddie Lee of the Chicago Sun-Times. Um, I believe it was last week that it looks like the Cubs and Marcus Stroman are exploring an extension. Um, and Marcus Stroman seems very open to this and almost wanting to stay with this team. What do you make of that? I make of that um, the same thing that Nico made of that. And he's excited to be a Cub. I wholeheartedly believe that Stroman is excited to be a Cub. I think that, I think the, I said this before, I think the long-term, the seven years with um, Swanson and the four years, I believe, with Hap, I, mm-hmm. I think that they're, I think they've bought in, which now, if they've bought in, is a credit to Ross. That, that buy-in doesn't come without proper leadership. And early in the season, there was that, or prior to the season, there was that hype video, hype-up video from the Cubs. And David Ross lists all the guys with World Series rings and all the all-star appearances that all these guys have. Um, at the end, Ross says, none of that matters. So he's got them understanding he does. He has them understanding that you have winners in here, but none of it matters if you don't put it together. So from a yeah. leadership perspective, because Ross has won rings himself. So he's been there, mm-hmm. done that. He can't say, I don't know what it's like. I mean, he led the, the two most jinxed franchises in the history of the game to World Series championships. So you're not going to get more... I don't want to say more experience. That's, that's not fair to a million managers, but you're not going to get a guy who doesn't get it almost more than David Ross based on the teams that he helped win championships. So I'm personally torn professionally. They're not doing as well as they should. Again, maybe they, they need to be at 500 for me to believe that Ross is the guy for the future. And again, it's Jesus, it's May. And now what I find both intriguing and a little semi bothersome is what was it? Maybe about a month ago, all of a sudden Joe Girardi appears in Chicago and I start calling games that I, that's you're, are that's, you, are you now reading a lot into that? Well, there's two things. Um, one, it's not, completely surprising Two, it, that's one of his homes the way not the same way Sutcliffe was on for a while but mm-hmm. uh, but to the credit of the fans and the networks Sutcliffe for as hell for as an unbelievable as a pitcher as he was um 
um, does not have the television personality to keep people interested. Um, at the moment, I'm not super intrigued with Girardi's personality either. No. Um, um, the other name that came up about two weeks ago, and I was like, and I kind of did that, like the dog held the the dog head tilt, like hmm, was Mike Sosha. Catchers, as we know, Girardi's a catcher, Ross is a catcher, mm-hmm. Sosha's a catcher. Uh, or something because catchers know what it's like to run a field or run a team. That's why they make such good managers. Sosha's name popped up about two weeks ago. Now it's only May. It's still way early, but I will be the first one to say at the beginning of our podcast world, our podcast life, I said, David Ross has two years. People can go back and check. Um, So it's not completely out of the realm of conversation when the idea of new management is coming up. Don't, don't forget they yanked Girardi, the Phillies yanked Girardi about this time. They go up mm-hmm. and they go on and end up in the world series. So what happened was the Phillies now set a precedent for, Hey, yes, you have a contract, but if you're, if, if you're not doing it and, and again, a million managers have been yanked before the end of the year. That That's no big deal. But I will say this. If I'm a Cubs fan and I know that Joe Girardi just got yanked from the Phillies, who a different manager took all the way to the World Series, as a Cubs fan, I don't want Joe Girardi. I like Joe Girardi, no. but I don't want Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi has been there and done that. He's had the super teams. He's done very well. But you don't want, and I'm not going to use the term washed up because that's, that's an over-exaggeration, but he, yeah. just left a, he just left a team. And that same team just last year made it to the World Series. You're not the guy to take that team to the World Series if you were fired from that team. There's your proof. So Girardi better not be the Cubs' next manager. Because – no. No. When you had when you had no. Bryce Harper and 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 Schwarber, it's, it's watching Schwarber still kills me. Watching Jimmy Butler and basketball still kills me. There were certain guys you shouldn't have got rid of, um, and, and those to me. Imagine having imagine having Schwarber in left and Hap in center and Suzuki or Ballinger in right. That's a pretty tough outfield, hitting wise. Yeah. Three. Of yeah. Absolutely. Off- I mean, so and and Bellinger is injured now, and again, that's not you know that's neither here nor there. However, without Bellinger, they haven't been winning. So again, the Cubs need every single guy to be at their best to just be at five hundred, and that's yeah, and and that's, I mean, as a as a Cubs fan, am I happy about that? No, I'm be, again, I'm I'm so realistic. They need to be perfect on the field to be average right. in the standings. Right. And that sucks. And that sucks yeah. as a fan. Well, it, when you, you when you when when teams are ready to start winning and be contenders and to be successful in the long run, it those are teams that can win without having to be perfect with winning the game in many different ways and this team 
as you just said, they cannot win games unless they're perfect. And that's not how championship teams go because you cannot be perfect over a course of 162 games. As we know now, um, we are, you know, a third of the way, almost third of the way through the season Cubs right now are 20 and 26, five games out of first place. Um, and in May they were, they've been six and 13 up to this point. So a very abysmal may compared to what they were doing in April. Um, but as, as you said, Romanelli, you know, a lot of the season left and, um, the bar is low folks. We're looking for 81 and 81. That's all. That's all we want right now. Now, if I, if I can say one more thing, I think, I think in Nick birdie, uh, the kid who threw 101 miles an hour just the other day. Um, mm-hmm. If the Cubs can turn it around, you found a closer. Yeah. You now he's super young, so he doesn't know any better here. Go out and throw the shit out of the ball. Just, just gas them up. You're not going to hit 101 in the eighth and ninth inning. You're just not third time around. You're tired, whatever. Uh, not everybody's going to be able to catch up to that. Um, if they can win and find that middle relief and find that, you know, back end, the seven, eight, nine, and I can't stand baseball the way it is with guys going five innings and six, you know, they're getting five innings and a quality start. I'm sorry. You're making hundreds, <laughs> you're making hundreds of millions of dollars for pitching for pitching half and half a game to get a quality start. No, that's not how I'm also not expecting God. I get it. I get the evolving of the game, but right. Anyway, if they can somehow turn it around, uh, I'm not expecting great things. Like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting average, like be 81 and 81 when it's over. Right. Right. They got to win six in a row to get back to 500. Sorry. No, no, you're right. And, um, I'll say this, you know who I'm not expecting to go 81 and 81 still the white Sox, And, um, it has been quite the opposite story. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you when you look at both of these teams over the last two months, Cubs and the white Sox, um, it, it, it's really, I would be hard pressed to say which team is performing better. Um, I would say on the whole, the Cubs have been certainly more oppressive than the White Sox have been up to this point. But um, what I do want to talk about is, is are the White Sox ready for a rebound? And the only reason we're having this conversation right now is because there are folks that are working their way back from injuries. Um, Tim Manderson has come back. He's um, been back for about a handful of games now. Liam Hendricks is really close to making his season debut, which is very exciting. And then Garrett Crochet, the hard-throwing left-handed bullpen piece, also came back um, and was actually uh, had his first appearance of the season on Thursday. Um, So there are folks that are coming back. Uh, This team is putting it together. You have folks that did not start the – the season with the team like Jake Berger, one of the best hitters on the team right now, Gavin sheets is heating up the bench guy is heating up. These are the folks that are carrying the team. So they're making it work and they're making it work a lot lately over the last six games. They're five and one, and they just swept the Kansas city Royals. So um, the, the question really begs itself. Is this team primed to turn it around now to set the stage for us to really think about what they've, been doing up to this point um right now the Sox are 
19 and 29. Okay. They're six and a half games out of first place and they have a 396 win percentage. And I want us all to remember that for this conversation is up to this point, they have a 396 win percentage. They're winning 39.6% of their games as of right now. Okay. Now, Romanelli, there's something very similar in the Cubs and the Sox experiences right now, and it's that they're both in very weak divisions. In fact, the two weakest divisions in Major League Baseball because there's no division, no other division, where the Cubs would only be four games out, and there sure as hell is no division where the Sox would be six and a half games out, as we know. Agreed. (laughs) So what I really wanted to do today is do an exercise, a numbers game. And really think about what would it take for the White Sox to win the division. And of course, we're going to you know, operate under some assumptions here. But one of the things I wanted to think about was kind of going back to April, seeing the hole that they dug themselves, knowing that here today they are 19 and 30. They just lost and didn't add that, that, that loss a couple minutes ago. They're 19 and 30. And 11 games under 500. What would it take for this team to kind of get to the AL Central promised land by the end of the season like they were supposed to and like they were projected to do in a very weak AL Central? So here's what I want to do. What I want to do is I want to talk about kind of projecting out what would their record need to be for the rest of their games to get 85 wins and to get 90 wins, okay? We're going to look at what their record needs to be for the rest of the season, and we're going to look at what their winning percentage needs to be for the rest of the season. Now, I'm taking a leap on an assumption here. I'm assuming to win this very weak AL Central, you need to win at least 85 games. Um, I think 90 would be a stretch. If you're winning this division with 90 wins, you're probably winning it by six to eight games ahead of, of the second place per uh, second place team. Um, so let's think about this. Okay. 114 games left. All right. 114 games left. And up to this point, the Sox have a winning percentage of 396. Let's start there. If they were to maintain that winning percentage of 396, Romanelli, do you want to guess how many wins they would end the season with if they kept on this pace of a 396 winning percentage? 45 games. Ooh, okay. So you would way lower, but still not great. 64 games. So if they kept on this pace, they would end the season 64 and 98. If that happens, fans will burn this place to the ground. <laughs> if they, <laughs> I'm just being honest. There's not really meeting. They what? They would, they would have every right. They would have every right. 64 and 8 would be a 64 and 98 would be a colossal failure. And I do not think I truly, in my heart of hearts and brain the brains, don't think they're going to maintain a 396 winning percentage and win 64 games. So let's rule that out. Okay. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. 85 wins. Okay. So if they go from where they're at now to ultimately winning 85 games, which should be the bare minimum, they need to go 85 and 77 the rest of the way. And that's a 579 winning percentage. If 
they want to win 90 games this year. They need to go 71 and 43 the rest of the way, rest of the way. And that West, the West of the way, which if we're going out to the West coast, it is the West of the way, but 90 and 72, they would have, they would have a record of 90 and 72. They would have to win 71 of the next 114 games with a 623 winning, winning percentage. Okay. Now I really want to keep in mind that winning percentage here for a second. Cause remember their winning percentage right now is 396 to win 90 games. They need to be winning at a percentage of 556 for 95 wins. It needs to be 586. For 100 wins, it needs to be 617. Now, here's the big one. I saved this one for last for a good reason. And this is where I struggle with this. I just said 30 seconds ago that for them to win 90 games, they need to go 71 and 43, which is a 623 winning winning percentage. If they were playing 623 winning percentage baseball all year long, that's 101 wins. That's not easy, folks. No. If you want to win 90 games this year and win this division by a healthy margin, you it is very hard to win to play baseball at a 101 win pace. Oh my god, yeah. I I don't I just don't know with this team I do. the last few years. <laughs> The last Okay, so I agree with you. They're not going to win 90 games. I agree with you. I'm really stuck on the 85 wins. Them going 66 and 48 along the way with a 579 winning percentage. Winning 70, 50, 58% of your games with a team of this caliber should not be this difficult. I think they can hit the 85 win mark. That's three and a half out of every five games that they have to win. That's that's tough with the way especially the NL I'm sorry, the AL East is playing. Um, it's not impossible. They have, but, but they need to turn on a dime. Um, That's the problem. Of, they, they just, and again, you've got, I, I've said it from day one, you've got your often injured Tim Anderson, who's now just coming back. And again, I like the dude. So let's and everybody loves him. Let's hope he stays healthy. He stays healthy. They've got a chance to win three and a half out of every five. He doesn't. You, you may as well flip no. a coin to see who ends up worse. The Cubs are socks. Well, and even if you want to win 85 games, and this is where my doubts creep in, if, if they're going to be in a position where they want to win 85 games, kind of to take what you're saying a step further, that be that means that, excuse me, the most most of the rest of the series, for the rest of the season, you need to be winning the series. Oh, yeah. Two, out of, two out of three, three out of four. You can't drop or get swept. And now, go ahead, sir. Th- that's not in them. I don't think that's in them to do that. Uh, no, I don't either. Um, to, to make it timely, um, I'm going to use a, a quick basketball reference to bring it back to the White Sox. Um, if you're watching the Boston Celtics and the Heat series, are you watching that series? I am not. Okay. So – um, one of the Boston Celtics players, while they were up, got into Jimmy Butler's face and was talking all sorts of smack. And they were like this, just talking smack. Well, they poked the bear and Jimmy Butler went off, went off, personally went off. And like the Celtics blew him out and then they're up today by 30 points or whatever. 
and uh, and the Heat are going to end up in the in the finals, guaranteed. Now, using Jimmy Butler poking the bear and that as their 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 motivation to to end up in the finals, I believe that the return of Liam Hendricks just from what he's been through. I think that could be the catalyst to help them. Like, Jesus Christ, if this guy beat non-Hoskins lymphoma, what what am I not doing? You know what I mean? Like, like what am I not doing? If this guy can beat this and come back and play professional baseball, what can I do better, not only for me, but for the team and for Hendricks, you know, and, and the and the feel good behind that. And and I'm as a as a cancer survivor, I, I I will watch his first pitch when he comes back. That is a guarantee. That's a promise. Um, like I am rooting for him. And and if rooting for him helps the White Sox, then shit put a 31 on every jersey and all of them wear the the, the Hendricks t-shirts underneath for the whole damn season, if it helps them. Because sometimes it takes one event as the catalyst to help that entire team. Um, that's why that's why teams have like you know the the hockey belts and one team has like the the mariachi hats that they're wearing in the dugouts and somebody else then said you can't do that in the dugouts anymore. Like it's just stupid stuff. But if if the return of Hendricks is the catalyst to help the White Sox, who cares? Like I, like, I think you could. I, yeah. I think you could be right. And quite frankly, if that doesn't do it, I don't know what will, um, right. you know, I, I, I think that's going to be the shot of adrenaline that they need. And mind you, they're getting it at a great time because Pedro right. Rafal said today that they're getting him back any day. Now there's not right. any certainty other than very soon. And they're coming off the last seven games. Now they were, they've been, you know, six and two. So, or excuse me, uh, if last seven games, they been six. Yeah. Wait, no, five and, five and two, five and two. So, you know what? I'll take that. And and they're getting that shot of adrenaline at the right time. But I'll tell you what, this is what I'm mentally preparing for. And, you know, being Cubs fans and Sox fans, we are ever the optimists. And this will be apparent here. I am preparing for this team to, to have this little glimmer of, you know, being five and two or being 10 and three, whatever the hell they're going to do over the next week. And they will take another large step back. They will not be able to put it together. They will take another large step back. And we're having a really tough conversation come trade deadline season. You can take it to the bank. I think Tim Anderson's going to be a Dodger. I think he's going to be a Dodger at the trade deadline. I, that, that sounds about right. Um, it's ridiculous. And it's hard to even say because I know how much people love him. But I, it, and this is not just about even Tim Anderson. This is about when you're talking about the, this White Sox organization. And I'm, I, I we're not going to go off on a deep tangent here because we're getting close to wrapping up. But it, from the very top to the very core and everything in between, it's time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page. And unfortunately, Tim Anderson's part of that. Yep. I, I said that to you now. If we go back to our NL West predictions, you chose San Diego. Yes. And I chose the Dodgers. Now, you sure did. If we look at if we look at the standings ever so 
So the Dodgers are 10 games over. Now imagine with a 48-plus run differential, San Diego's five games under with a negative eight. Now you add Tim Anderson at shortstop, a healthy Tim Anderson, healthy. I'm going to say that for the rest of that man's career. He can't stay healthy. So knowing if I'm the Dodgers, if he ends up a Dodger, if I'm the Dodgers, I, I, I say, okay, before I sign you and you want all this damn money, I here are your injuries, jackass. And I don't mean that with any disrespect, but these are your injuries. So don't come begging for hundreds of millions when you can't go 140 games. Right. You, you want to come and play for a winner? That we can help you with. We're not going to give you every dime and every dollar you're asking for because here's your injury sheet. I'll be happy for him if he ends up on the Dodgers. However, I'm already over the Dodgers. They won their World Series. I, I'm over that. They're done. I would like somebody new. Um, uh, but I, it's hard for me to root for San Diego when what's-his-name just came off the roid thing. Um, so – I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I have a, you know, you always pick. Okay. So if, if your Cubs or Sox team doesn't win, who are you rooting for? Part of me based on watching the Phillies last year, uh, I would root for the Phillies. They're not going to do it. I think Atlanta is going to run away with that division. I, I don't see anybody touching Atlanta. Yeah. Um, I see Atlanta in the world series, to be honest with you. Um, that'll depend right. on cursing That'll depend on Kershaw's pitching if the Dodgers make it back. Um, MLB still has him as top 10. Uh, why, why do you say that Anderson ends up with the Dodgers come trade deadline? Well, a number of things is, is I still think the Dodgers, while they are in first place right now, I think they're in first place partly because that division in the NL West has to a degree underperformed the Padres being a prime example of that Two, they did not cheer up that shortstop position when Trey Turner left. And I think it's been a bugaboo for them. I mean, of course they, they got Miguel Rojas from, from the Marlins, but um, he's also had his injury issues this year. He's not been on the field much and he's certainly no upgrade over Trey Turner. Granted, Tim Anderson isn't either, but it gets you a little closer to there to making up that, that lost production. I said two things, tertiary reason. (laughs) Anderson, Anderson needs to change the scenery. And I do think it'd be good for him. And the reason I say that is because this is eighth season with the white Sox organization. I don't know about you, but if I was on a team for that long and I had nothing to show for it, no winning seasons, hardly, I shouldn't say none, hardly any winning seasons, any championship, I'd welcome a change of scenery to an organization like the Dodgers. And quite frankly, he could use it because you, you put, you put these players on specific teams in the right environments. They do well. Look at what Tim Anderson did in the world baseball classic this year for team USA. He was on fire, throwing the ball all around the field I just feel like from a player perspective, it's probably better for him too. Speaking of, there's your dark horse Cubs future manager. His name is Mark DeRosa. Ooh. Ooh. That I like. That now, I like. Side story. I met Mark DeRosa in I can't remember when, but they were playing Cincinnati. Um 
And a buddy of mine and I went and did like a Cincinnati road trip. And they were on the, they were on a terrible winning loss. Had lost like eight in a row. And I met DeRosa in an elevator. And I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, good. Uh, how are you? And I'm like, good. I was like, I have a question. I was like, I'm just curious. I'm like, how does, you know, how do you keep, how do you keep your spirits up uh, when, when things aren't going well? Um, because I can't imagine what that's like. And he just was like, <laughs> he just gave me this turn and gave me this look. He's like, we're fine. I was like, <clears throat> I was like, I just pissed off Mark DeRosa. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I felt, I felt terrible because that wasn't my intention. Like I was like, as a, as a, as an optimist, as a Cubs fan, I'm like, how do you do it? Because it's not easy. And that grind no. of 100 and that grind of 162 games is never easy. The same way the Cubs are doing this now. And the White Sox are doing this now at the beginning of the year, the Cubs were doing this and the White Sox were doing this. So it's all of this. So, but, but you said two things. The right environment, the right coach, change of scenery, looking ahead, if, if David Ross isn't the right manager, I'm telling you, your dark horse, May 22nd, 2023, your dark horse is Mark DeRosa. It's not Mike Sosha. It better sure as hell not be Joe Girardi. And I mean that with all the love in the world watching that guy from the day he came up as a Cub. Um, can't be, can't be, but I'm telling you, Mark DeRosa is your dark horse in a year, two years, watch. And that also doesn't mean he's going to flip the script and make them world contenders or, you know, right. automatic, because again, you still have the Dodgers to contain, to contend with uh, good God. I can't stand Milwaukee and they're still above us. Uh, so there's a lot going on, but your your comment about change of scenery works for a lot of people. Look, a lot of people look at Cody Bellinger. He, he was on a tear until he was injured. It's the best thing that's happened to him. And Cubs are Cub fans are already clamoring, which is shocking to me. They're like, sign him, sign him long-term already. Uh, it's May. He's on a tear, but then he gets injured, but they're already like, sign him. The Cubs used to not, Cub fans used to not be like that. They didn't want to sign guys. Right. Long-term, but to your point, I didn't realize how young um, Bellinger was. I thought he was a little older. If I remember correctly, you told me he was only 27. So if that's the case, you sign him for four years. And then you've got right. Happ and Henry outfield with Suzuki. You've got your solid you've got your solid outfield core. All of those guys can hit well, although Suzuki seems to still not have adjusted as well as people have, host, have hoped, uh, even gaining 20 pounds to get all jacked and hit home runs up the yin-yang. He's still not performing at the level that I believe the Cubs have wanted him to. So, so who knows? But well, uh, I, the Tim Anderson thing is really, I never thought about that. Well, but we'll I mean, see how it plays out. Um, you know, it is definitely intriguing. I, I, you know, between, between <laughs> this Cubs team and this Sox team, I think this is just proving to be a roller coaster of a season. And the only thing that we're going to care about is how it all unfolds by the end. And yep. This is a story none of us can predict right now, but um, but well, regardless, glad... Romanelli... go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I I'm just glad we're doing this again. Like we've missed three weeks, and I missed it. And I got an email from a buddy. He's like, "Where the hell have you guys been?" So yeah, uh... I know, folks. We've had a two week hiatus dealing with life things and whatnot. I had people visiting from the UK for work. I know Romanelli had a number of things going on, but hey, we are back that. in the. 
yes, I'm glad to be back too. We're back in the swing swing of it. So um, what I wanted to tell everyone is, hey, if you haven't heard from us for a few weeks. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. Um, please, please, wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll find us there. Apple, Google, um, we're on YouTube. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel. The best thing you can do for us, folks, is subscribe to the YouTube channel share our videos, share the show with people, go ahead and spread the word. We would appreciate it. And when we come back next week, we have a little bit of a surprise. We have two ideas for our show next week. We don't know which one we're going to do. It totally depends on how the next five days go, but either way, it's going to be a good one. So please tune into us next week. Please listen, like share and go White Sox. Go Cubs. Take care, everybody.